All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Exit 77, a Notre Dame football podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. This is episode 42. Uh, we're going to take a look back at the UNLV game and then also look ahead and give our preview and score prediction for the Syracuse game. I'm recording this episode on Friday night. Um, once again, brutal week with regards to trying to get the podcast episodes um, in and trying to record more. I always have a plan to try and do one recap show and then one preview show. And once again this week, just total total mess and was not able to get it accomplished. Actually, was on the road traveling out in Portland, Oregon for a couple of days for work this week. It was great to get out that way to the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we also had some sick kids. We actually had our kids were out sick this entire week from school. So five straight days of having both the kids home. And uh, yeah, makes for makes for. Um, lots of hard work and, and not a whole lot of other time uh, on our hands as both my wife and I work. So, um, yeah, it was definitely, like I said, an interesting weekend. Uh, sorry I'm getting this so so late. Hopefully a lot of you get the chance to listen to it prior to the Syracuse game. Um, the game is a 12 Eastern, so 11 a.m. Central start tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, Irish playing the Syracuse Orangemen uh, in the Dome. Uh, not the Carrier Dome anymore. I forget what it's actually called, but it's a different type. Of, it's got a different name on it. Um, but the game will be played indoors and up in Syracuse, and six, Syracuse is actually 6-1. and one. Coming off of their first loss last week to Clemson, they lost at Clemson. And, uh, yeah, their team is looking pretty good. Um, we'll kind of walk through what we're thinking about them and how we feel about them and where we see everything happening uh, towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but let's take a look back. Um, we'll give our review of the UNLV game. We'll go through our grades and then as well, you know, kind of update as it relates to where we're at from a season prediction standpoint. Now, for those of you who listened to the podcast last week, um, did actually head down to South Bend with my family for the game. Uh, we didn't actually go to the game, but uh, more just kind of walking around campus and we're hoping to see a bunch of friends and hang out and just kind of take in the fall Saturday um, that is South Bend, that is Notre Dame. And uh, yeah, had a good chance to get down there, got down there relatively decent amount of time, a little bit of traffic, um, beautiful, absolutely beautiful fall Saturday in South Bend. I think it was maybe even a little bit hot. I think it was like in the mid seventies. Um, absolutely gorgeous, totally sunny. The leaves were completely changing. It was one of those just more picturesque days. And you could tell um, with regards to the crowds were walking around, how much people were enjoying kind of just being on campus and having the chance to walk around. So we got there, we parked, um, made our way over to the grotto, um, checked it out. So it was with my wife and our two kids. Um, kids probably, you know, based upon the Cal experience we have with our, my son, uh, probably still a little bit too young to head into the games. Um, and yeah, probably even still a little bit too young to walk around campus as it was a bit of a long day, um, getting them from place to place, but got down to the grotto, uh, which is always cool to see. Got some pictures in front of the dome on the way to there and met up and saw a good friend and classmate from 2000, Kyle Smith. Um, haven't seen Kyle in a few years. Uh, Kyle's a professor at the University of Toronto, so up in Canada, and he brought his son Arlo. And uh, Kyle hadn't been back to Notre Dame since I think about it. He said 2005, so going on 17 years. So it was neat to see him catch up with him, hear all that's going on, and then we had the chance to kind of walk around with him and Arlo around campus 
kind of see everything, hang out, catch up. Um, so that was awesome. So shout out to you, Kyle. Um, great to see you. Great to meet Arlo. Um, he looks exactly like you. Um, but yeah, that was a ton of fun. And I hope you guys had a good rest of your trip um, in, ben, in the bend and uh, at the game later that day. We did have some plans to meet up with Pat McDermott and his family and Kevin Cahill and his family and then head over to Tony Fonseca's tailgate, but did not ever work out. Um, the day just got, you know, passed us way too fast. Before we knew it, um, it was about an hour before the game and didn't have much an opportunity to get over to Tony's uh, tailgate. I think they were packing up a little bit early as well. But so sorry I did not see um, those other groups of friends. Uh, it was too bad we couldn't meet up with everyone. Um, but on our way uh, towards heading back to the car, did stop in the bookstore a lot. I got to see Dan Hickey um, and his wife Kate and their son Jack and hang out with their friends for a little bit of a tailgate, which was fun. So always great to see Dan. Um, he's become a good buddy of mine here in the Chicago suburbs, um, NDMBA uh, graduate. And so, yeah, awesome. Obviously, Dan's two weeks in a row. I got to see him at the ND game. And, yeah, looking forward to hopefully uh, hanging out with Dan again here soon. But uh, after that, got in the car, uh, started to make our way back um, towards Chicago, decided to make a quick stop in New Buffalo um, and had a ton of fun just quickly popping off and going to Church Brewery over there, grab some lunch um, and hung out for a little bit and then popped over to the lake because it was such a nice day. I walked around there for a little bit but then started making our way home um, as the kids had probably had enough and it was time for us to make our way back. But listen to the game uh, on the car ride home, so that was – a fun, you know, sort of fun listen, um, if you call it, you know, a fun game. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's give kind of a recap as it relates to the game as a whole. Um, I've had a chance to watch most of it on the replay and have been doing all my typical listening to the podcast and listening and watching uh, highlights, watch Hit and Hustle this week. Um, once again, all the other Notre Dame podcasts that I typically listen to and reading all the articles. Um, you know, the final score was Notre Dame 44, UNLV 21. Uh, so, you know, all in all, a good victory for the Irish. I think a lot of us were expecting a little bit more. And based upon kind of the nature of where everything went for the first quarter, um, this is the game that Notre Dame probably should have been scoring in the 60s points, in the 60-point range, maybe even the 70s, uh, based upon where they had that first quarter and what they were able to either do or not do. Um, and really, you know, I think was an opportunity for the Notre Dame team to kind of get the fans really fully back on their side. Not that they're not back on their side, but... You know, I think the fans were looking for a little bit more and expected a little bit more out of this team, especially against UNLV, um, who was missing their starting quarterback and I think their starting running back. So um, let's take a look at kind of the summary of everything. Um, like I said, listen to it, most of it on the way home, and then watch the replay. But um, Irish got on the board on the first drive of the game. Um, Audrey Castamay had a nice 12-yard run. Um, Irish went up 7 nothing. so pretty good, good and quick drive by the Irish. Um, then they got the ball back and they got a field goal, so they went up 10 nothing. UNLV actually had a really long run um, and got down to, uh, you know, just before the goal line and were able to punch it in on a two-yard run, so the score was 10-7. Um, you know, at that point, I think, you know, typically Notre Dame fans are thinking to themselves, oh, gosh, here we go again. Um, but the Irish got the ball back and were able to score, uh, you know, on a Michael Mayer touchdown, so went up 17-7. Had a Blake Groupie field goal to go up 27, another Blake Groupie field goal to go up 23-7. Um, I think the Irish blocked two punts in the first quarter, so Isaiah Foskey blocked them both. So that's pretty unbelievable just in and of itself that you had two blocks in one quarter, and that by the same guy is, is even more unbelievable. Uh, but so coming out of the first quarter, it was the Irish 23, uh, UNLV 7, you know, in a realistic situation in sense of what actually took place. Across that quarter, the Irish had five scoring drives, three of them field goals, two touchdowns. Um, you know, you had to make probably at least two of those field goals, touchdowns, 
So at a minimum, you had to be looking at 31 to 7 coming out of that first quarter. Um, but 23 to 7, um, it's a good lead, but you really had the opportunity to just kind of close the door and make this a, a game that was over after the first quarter. So fortunately, the Irish couldn't do that. Um, second quarter, Irish scored one touchdown. Um, uh, Mitch Levins had a QB sneak um, from the one yard line, and so the Irish were up 30 to 7 as they headed into halftime. So once again, comfortable lead, but based on everything that happened in the first half, this is a game that the Irish should have been up probably at halftime, um, somewhere in the range of you know forty-five to seven, um, if they'd actually you know really kind of seen through more of the drives um, throughout the first half. Third quarter, um, only scoring was by UNLV. Um, they had a two-yard run. I think it was actually on a fourth-down play, uh, or they had converted a fourth-down play on the drive. So scores at thirty to fourteen at that point. Then the Irish got uh, Chris Tyree um, touchdown um, to go up thirty-seven to fourteen in the fourth quarter, followed by UNLV scoring another touchdown to go down uh, 31, 37 to twenty-one. And the Irish finished it off with a touchdown with about three minutes left. A Braden Lindsay, um, you know, kind of pitch and pitch and catch thing from Drew Pine. So to go up 41-44-21, and that was the final score. So once again, you know, 23-point win by the Irish. Um, I don't think anyone was extremely happy with it, but, you know, 23-point win is 23 points. Um, so good for the Irish to get back on the other side of 500, so now they're now at 4-3. and three. And, uh, yeah, heading into uh, the Syracuse game with a little bit of momentum and I think as well um, the idea that there is a lot better that the Irish can play. We'll talk about that in our analysis of everything. And the Irish have proven that over this year they've played their best football on the road, so hoping that a lot of that comes through um, and what we see tomorrow um, in the Dome against the uh, Syracuse Orange. All right, let's start to go through our grades, um, and we'll start off with our coaches. So let's take a look at Marcus Freeman. I'm going to give him a B- minus for this one. Um, you know, got the win, which is always good. You know, once again, he needed this win need to get the Irish back to four and th- or, you know above 500, especially after that Stanford brutal loss. Um, so, you know, good job on getting the team ready. Good job on getting them kind of firing on all cylinders in the first quarter. Once again, five scoring drives in the first quarter is great, but the fact that they didn't get more touchdowns, that's not good. Um, defense, you know, continued to play well. I think, you know, in an ideal world and situation in this game, UNLV is scoring anywhere between 10 and 14 points and not 21. So, you know, giving up that touchdown in the fourth quarter or even one of the earlier touchdowns really – Hopefully that wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, the Irish probably needed to hold them to a little bit less than what they got. But in general, the Irish defense is, is giving up a total of about 21 points per game, which is which is really good if you ask me in this day and age. Um, and it gives your offense a chance to win. But, uh, yeah, let's see what Marcus can continue to do. Um, you know, I think we can talk a little bit about, you know, play calling on the offensive defensive side. I think, you know, on the defensive side we saw a little bit more stunting action, a little bit more um, confusion from our down linemen and our linebackers. It sounds like Marcus Freeman definitely probably inserted himself into the defensive conversation in this off week or in the week in between Stanford and UNLV. So um, it was great to see a little bit more uh, up front that the Irish are doing that we hadn't seen earlier in the year, but we saw a lot of last year. Um, so that was good. But, yeah, it's good to get the win. Um, so I'm going to give him the B- minus and uh, hopefully once again he can get the team ready to go uh, this upcoming week. Tommy Reese, uh, I'm going to give him, gosh, let's see, I'll go with the C-minus. Um, a lot of it has to do with just the overall general quarterback play. Um, you know, I think Tommy Reese dialed up a lot of really good plays in this game. If you if you watch the highlights or if you watch the review or you watch the analysis, there were so many plays that the Irish could have had 
or touchdowns could have been could have been had or really long plays could have been had um, but at the end of the day drew pine just wasn't making the plays at least from a passing perspective and so you know it's that falls on tommy reese it's it's got to be something that he's got to continue coaching better he's got to continue to get him to not completely focus on michael mayer um in passing situations and he's got to get him to hit open guys uh second week in a row similar to stanford um pine just did not do what he needed to do in order to get the irish you know a win he did get it this week but um you know didn't get it against stanford so that's going to fall once again on reese and uh kind of what he's doing in between the weeks with drew pine so c minus for time reese al golden i'm going to give him a b for this game um you know the defense needs to do a better job of stopping the run by unlv and let's see if they can do that against syracuse the coming week um but the irish did get gashed for a couple of really long runs um, like I said, once again, held them pretty much regularly in check from an overall standpoint, seven points in the first half. They did give up the two touchdowns in the second half. Um, but overall, you know, the defense played, you know, a little bit, I'd say, generally better um, than they have in the last couple of weeks. Um, it was nice to see some sacks by Foskey. Once again, the linebackers were active. Um, you know, they did cause a turnover, so a nice job by Clarence Lewis um, on causing a fumble and picking it up. Um, so they're starting to do a little bit different and, you know, do things a little bit better than you know at least what they were doing earlier in the season um so let's see if they can continue the improvement as we move along into tomorrow's game but i would love to see the irish hopefully do a better job of stopping the run they're going to have to do it both from a quarterback perspective and a running back perspective as those are syracuse's two main weapons um and you know we'll talk about once again the preview but i'm hoping that this game turns out to be a little bit more like that north carolina game and we can talk about some of the reasons why um, that might happen all right, let's move on to special teams. I don't know if you can give any other grade but an A-plus um, to the special teams. Brian Mason has just done an unbelievable job um, coaching the special teams. Um, and, you know, two once again, two punts. Um, clearly there was something he saw on tape that allowed Fasica to go on block twice um, and make both those plays, which is awesome. Punt return had a couple of nice returns by Brandon, jo- jo- by Brandon Joseph. That was good to see. You know, kickoff and kick return once again, nothing a whole lot there. And then I think Groupie went three or four on field goals. So, yeah, overall awesome job by the special teams. You know, Brian Mason is such a complete upgrade um, from what we've had over the last few years. Um, So this is just – it's really cool to see. And it's definitely become a weapon for the Irish, um, which it had not been in the years past. So kudos to Brian Mason. Uh, What an awesome hire by – Coach Freeman, you know, they had gone back, I think, at Purdue and uh, we're at Cincinnati together and just, you know, super smart decision on his part. I hope Brian Mason stays with the Irish uh, for a really long time moving forward. Okay, let's start to look at the individual position groups and give out our grades there. Uh, starting with, once again, the quarterback, uh, I'm going to give Drew Pine a D minus. Uh, he's about as close to enough as we can give him. Second week in a row, he just did not come to play. Um, you know, I I follow all those pay sites, and on three did a really cool analysis of the fourteen throws that uh, Drew Pine didn't complete. I think overall his completion percentage was just a little bit over fifty percent. Um, he did have an interception on this game, obviously, which isn't great again. Um, so that's not good. Um, you know, let's see. Yeah, he was fourteen of twenty eight for two hundred five yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Um, so he is actually just at fifty percent. But, um, like I said, on three did a really cool analysis of the 14 throws where he had incompletions. They did these little gifts where you could watch. It was like a quick five-second clip of each play. But they gave an analysis and walked through what happened on each play. And it's amazing how on so many of the throws, they were either throws to Michael Mayer. Um, they either got batted down at line scrimmage or he was throwing into three people covering him. Or there were throws that he just absolutely missed wide-open receivers and was trying to force it into other places 
or throws that he just he needs to make. Um, you know, if you listen to some of the podcasts and read a bunch of the websites, man, Braden Lindsay this year could have probably six or seven touchdowns if Drew Pine would either hit him or see him on some of these routes. He's consistently getting open. And I think you can start to see this. And I think you're starting to see fans talk about it. And, you know, the receivers are probably having a hard time. But there's the body language in some of these receivers is getting really tough because they're running a lot. They're running all these routes. They're getting open. But Pine is not looking at them. He's, you know, strictly looking at Michael Mayer. So I'm hoping that this week, you know, uh, Reese, you know, I don't know what you got to do. But I don't know, maybe you can call up a whole bunch of plays where you don't have Michael Mayer on the field. And then he doesn't have that crutch that he has to go to Michael Mayer because um, the Northern wide receivers are getting open. You know, I know we've talked a lot about this year around, you know, what does the wide receiver group at Notre Dame look like and are they competitive? Are they up to speed with a lot of other wide receivers? You know, I mean, I think if you had a quarterback that could hit them, you know, some of these wide receivers would have some really good numbers this year. Um, obviously, Lorenzo Styles is not having anywhere near the year a lot of us were hoping for, but, you know, I don't know how excited some of these wide receivers can get when they're running routes and they never get the ball. Um, Styles did have a pretty bad drop on one play, but then, you know, there were multiple plays where Pine either didn't see him or didn't hit him with a pass. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's tough for those wide receivers, and I'm hoping that Drew Pine can get back to maybe, you know, the way he looked against the UNC, the way he looked against BYU, and start to, you know, kind of really distribute the ball a little bit more and be able to look away from Michael Mayer and hit open guys when he has the opportunity to do so. So let's see if he can do it. Um, once again, a lot of that comes down to Tommy Reese and the coaching he gives him, and he's the guy who recruited him, and let's see what happens. Um, he has played better outside of Notre Dame, so maybe that will be um, you know, the recipe that he needs for success this week playing uh, away from campus. All right, running backs, going to give them an overall grade of a B. Um, really good game by Logan Diggs. Um, had nearly 30 carries. I think it had about 130 yards. Great job by him. Probably deserved to get in a touchdown at one point. Um, Chris Tyree had a couple good runs. I continue to think that they're not figuring out ways to get Tyree the ball in space, and they're also as well not putting him in the right positions. I think you got to line him up in the slot every once in a while. I think you got to give him some screen plays, give him some toss sweeps, some jet sweeps. Notre Dame just continues to run him out the middle, which he's gotten better at it, but it's not what he does best. Give him the ball, let him run outside, give him the ball in space, hit him on some screens, hit him on some um, design plays where you got the lineman blocking out ahead on maybe like, you know, quick pass. But just get that guy the ball in space and let's see what he can do. Otter Gessamy, unfortunately, had another fumble this game. So that's three fumbles, I think, in the last four weeks. Um, so not good there. He's got to figure out a way to keep the ball um, from going on the ground. He did have that nice touchdown run, but it's going to take a little bit for him to get, you know, the coach's um, faith back. And, you know, we'll see what happens this week, um, but I think you're going to probably get a heavy mix of Tyree and Diggs against the Orange uh, until Estimate can prove that he's not going to put the ball on the ground. All right, offensive line, I'm going to give them an overall grade of a B plus. Um, I thought they did a really good job of pass protection. You will see and read that, um, you know, Pine didn't get pressured a whole lot. He had a lot of opportunity where he had the chance to just kind of sit back there and, you know, find wide receivers. Didn't do it, obviously, as we've been saying. Um, but the protection was there, and Pine had the opportunity to really kind of figure out who you needed to throw the ball to on uh, a lot of the plays. And the running, you know, really good job, I think, from an overall running block perspective. Um, they closed out the game with a lot of runs, and they were able to do that, even though UNLV knew the Irish were going to do that. So they continue to get better at run blocking. Um, the Syracuse defense is a different animal this week, and they got a pretty good defense. Um, so let's see if they can kind of you know continue doing that against a defense that's a little bit better than what they've seen over the last few weeks. Um, but overall, good job by the offensive line. They've really improved over the last four games or so um, and really have become a weapon for the Irish. The wide receivers, 
I'm going to give them a grade of a C. Um, you know, once again, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they're just not getting hit by passes. Um, you know, unfortunately, Lorenzo Styles had that pretty big drop. Um, but in general, once again, a lot of this comes down to Pine not looking for them and not hitting them. So, you know, you can't do anything if the quarterback isn't throwing you the ball. Um, so I can't blame a whole lot on the wide receivers for, you know, not catching a ton of passes. Um, they're getting open. You can see it on the replays. They're running good routes. Um, you know, the play calls are generally good play calls and are, and are finding people open. It's the difference between having a quarterback who knows what he's doing and a quarterback who is not quite uh, up to speed with regards to being able to go through his progressions and being able to see the coverages and find the guys that are open. Um, so I don't know. Let's see if it improves this weekend. Um, I don't think we know what we'll get until we start to see it. But as we said earlier, he's played better on the road. And let's see if Pine can do it. All right, tight ends, um, going to give them a B+. Plus. Um, once again, another great game. My Meyer, you know, had a really fabulous catch coming across the middle, caught a touchdown pass. Mitch Levins took that, um, you know, QB sneak in. Um, you know, unfortunately, once again, we talked about last week, but Raritan's out with injury. Um, you know, so it's a little bit more of a depleted position group for the Irish. Um, but, you know, overall, good job blocking and good job receiving, and they continue to be a weapon for the Irish. Let's see if the, you know, I would love to see this upcoming game. You know, I'd love to see Holden Stays catch two passes. I'd love to see Mitch Levins catch three passes. I'd love to see Meyer catch, you know, four passes. But, you know, if he, that happens, what that is showing is that, you know, Pine is looking at other people and trying to find other people because I think too much of the time, and we've said this probably five times on this podcast, all he does is look at Michael Mayer, um, and everyone knows it's coming. Everyone keys on it. Um, the opportunity is there to hit other people. So let's see what can happen. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, Mayer maybe takes a few plays off and they put someone else in, and we are not folks forced to just continue to look at him. All right, moving on to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive line, I'm going to give them a grade of a B. thought they did a good job. From a pass rush perspective, we did have a couple of really long runs by UNLV, um, so they need to continue to figure that out. But overall, pretty good game um, from the defensive line, and Isaiah Foskey, you know, really starting to pick it up here. Um, let's see if he can, once again, do it against an offense that is going to test the Irish um, from a variety of levels um, against uh, coming up and starting against Syracuse. Linebackers, I'm going to give them a B-. minus. Um, played a little bit better than what they've played in the last few weeks. Um, you saw some of the blitzes coming through and actually making plays. I think, you know, Maris Leofau probably had one of his better games of the year, um, which unfortunately isn't saying a ton because he hasn't played that great this year. Um, I think we're all expecting a little bit more from him. Um, Bertrand out there as well. Kaiser didn't play a ton because he was injured. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, relatively good play. They need to do a better job of creating more havoc, and let's see if they can do that here soon. But, um, you know, overall, not a bad game from linebackers. All right. Looking at the safeties and looking at the cornerbacks, um, Brandon Joseph didn't play from a safety perspective, so you saw a lot of Houston Griffith, um, a lot of DJ Brown. Um, you know, I'm going to give the safeties. Let's give them a, a C plus. Nothing really stood out for me a ton from the safeties in this game. Um, you know, they didn't give up any big plays at least from a passing perspective. They probably needed to make a couple of tackles on those really long runs by UNLV. Um, so, um, you know, going to continue to rotate players. It sounds like Brandon Joseph will be ready to go this week full speed, so I expect him to come back. Um, but let's see if we can, one of these safeties can make an interception. That'd be great. Uh, we need our safeties to be a little bit more active, um, knocking out a few more passes, um, you know, and I don't know. We'll see. All right, cornerbacks. Uh, I'm going to actually lump uh, Tariq Bracey into this group as well. I'm going to give them a B in this game. Uh, Bracey made a couple nice plays, had a couple nice breakups. Once again, we talked about the Clarence Lewis um, fumble uh, and pickup. Um, so that was nice to see. Uh, Morrison's still playing pretty well. You know, Jaden Mickey's been out with an injury. It sounds like he's coming back this week. Cam Hart. 
you know, once again, not a whole lot to talk about from Cam Hart. I think same kind of thing as Maris Leifau. I think we were all expecting a huge year from him this year. Just haven't seen it. So, um, but, you know, at least we're not hearing of him typically getting beat on, you know, 80-yard passes or something like that either, which, you know, same thing, plus or minus, right? Like you'd rather hear great him making great plays. You don't want to hear him getting, you know, completely beaten, but you'd love to see Cam Hart get an interception. You'd love to see him come up and make a run play from a tackle perspective. It's just we're not seeing an aggressiveness from the safeties and from the cornerbacks this year that I think a lot of us thought we would see. All right, moving on to Blake Krupe. Um Our field goal kicking, um, you know, uh, A-, minus, uh, three out of four, not bad. So um, would love to see him be four for four. Um, that'd be awesome. But, you know, three out of four is not too bad. Um, punting, um, John Sack continues to do a good job. Didn't have a ton of punts in this game, um, but just does a really good job. So we'll give him a you know, B-plus there. And then kickoff and kick returns. Um, forget the guy's kid's name who's doing the kickoffs. And, you know, once again, not a whole lot happening on the kick returns. So we'll give them a B. All right. So there you have it. That's kind of a review of everything, taking a look at um, kind of just the overall game. Um, once again, I think this was a game that the Irish could have won by a whole lot more. Um, and, you know, it was, would have been really, really nice to see, you know, a 60-7 to 7 win by the Irish. I think one, I don't think it would have completely changed around people's opinions on this season, but it would have had people feeling a little bit better, I think. You know, and listening to most of the podcasts this year, it was probably the most, ugh, you know, 23-point win that the Irish have had in a while. I think people were open for a little bit more. Um, all right, let's take a look at um, – our season predictions, where we're at, where we're at now, and uh, then we'll take a look at the Syracuse game. So we started off the season at 10-2 and two, um, following the Ohio State loss. Um, we still kept it at 10-2, and two, um, and then we moved on to the Marshall game. Uh, Irish dropped it to go to 0-2. We moved our prediction down to 8-4. and four. Um, Following that, the Irish played Cal, and we won. So we were at 1-2, and two, and we kept our prediction at 8-4. and four. Um, and then we moved on to the North Carolina game um, where we won uh, to get to 2-2. Two and two. At that point, we moved our prediction to 9-3. and three. Then we beat BYU to go to 3-2 and two and kept our prediction at 9-3. and three. Uh, and then we played Stanford last week, lost to go to three and three, and we kept our. Or we actually moved our prediction down to seven and five. Now coming out of the UNLV game with the Irish win, the Irish are four and three, and we're going to keep our prediction at seven and five. Um, I'm going to keep it there because we really need to see something uh, from the Irish here against Syracuse and obviously against Clemson in the next two weeks um, in order for me to, you know, even think about changing that prediction. My gosh, if they lose both these games, they'll be at five losses. <laughs> so we might even be moving it down um, at that point. But, you know, these next about eight days or so are going to really kind of pretty much define the Irish season. So you were, you know, play at Syracuse, then we play Clemson at home in a night game. Um, you know, coming out, if we can, you know, win one and lose one, um, I think fans would probably, you know, probably take that right now. Um, you know, I don't think they care which one is the win and which one's the loss. Obviously, it would be great to get the win against Clemson. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of us Irish fans would absolutely, and everyone would love to see, you know, winning these next two games. But I think we can also see the Irish losing these next two games. So, um, yeah, going to keep it at 7-5 and five until we see something a little bit different. We don't, you know, typically, this is a team that we don't know what we're going to get. Um, we don't know if we get good Drew Pine or bad Drew Pine. If we get good Drew Pine, I think the Irish can pretty much play with, you know, 95% of the teams out there. Um, if they get a bad Drew Pine, they can lose to 95% of the teams out there, which is a sad statement. But I think it's proven... Um, 
you know, once again, that college football really comes down to strong quarterback play. If you don't have a really, really great, awesome, dynamic quarterback, you better have a defense that's literally going to shut people down. Um, and the Irish, you know, they've got a good defense, but it's not the type of defense that's going to hold teams to seven points. Um, so we are reliant on having a good quarterback who knows what he's doing and can make plays. And we've seen what happens when, you know, you have a quarterback making plays, and that was the North Carolina game this year. If the Irish can replicate that, once again, they can beat 95% of the teams out there. Um, but if they can't do that, then you're going to see exactly what happened against Stanford. You're going to see what happened against UNLV. You're going to see what happened against Marshall. You're going to see what happened against Cal. Um, some of those games you can win. Um, but, you know, there's unless everything goes exactly your way, you're going to lose those games. Um, and that's what happened against Stanford. And that's what happened against Marshall. Um, and the Irish cannot continue to do that. Um, and the Irish cannot continue to have that be a part of the season. And it's going to be have to something that they remedy um, probably in the transfer portal next year um, or get, you know, a five-star quarterback in the class 2023. And it doesn't look like we have someone lined up to do that right now. Um, but at the end of the day, this is now on Marcus Freeman. This is his job to bring in the quarterback. Who's going to make the difference? Um, you know, Tommy Reese is, you know, the guy that's saying, here are the guys we need to be going after. Um, and let's see what happens um, as we move forward. All right. Um, I did have a couple of questions. I think, gosh, I had... One from Errol, and I completely forgot about it. Sorry, Errol. Um, and I'm on my phone right now, so I can't get access to it. But it was something about maybe like a, almost like a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde look of the Irish and what you're going to get. But I think I kind of talked about it, you know, a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, we really don't know what the Irish are going to do. I think they could really beat most of the teams out there um, if they play well. They have the talent to do it. Um, but as we've seen, they can pretty much lose any team out there. And let's see what happens uh, moving forward and see which team we get in the upcoming weeks. But a lot of that now is going to be on Marcus Freeman to push the right buttons um, and get the team in the mindset where they know they can win and come out firing and actually get a win. Okay, let's take a look at this Saturday. Um, we are, man, we are about 14 hours out from the start of the game. Um, Syracuse, as we said, once again, is 6-1. and one. Um, Their only loss and first loss of the season was last week to Clemson. They actually were up in that game, I think 21-10, to 10, um, maybe even in the fourth quarter. And... Uh, Clemson scored 17 points to win 27, I think, to 21 or 27 to 24, something like that. Um, but I watched – actually, it's funny. I was on a plane this week. Um, on, like I said, I went to in Portland, and randomly on the screen in front of me, that game was on. So I got to watch a decent amount of that game. Um, Clemson, I think, had four turnovers. I think their quarterback had three or four interceptions. Um, so Syracuse really, you know, was able to, you know, make some good plays on defense and force uh, Clemson into some mistakes, which – you know, the Clemson quarterback wasn't playing that that well, and they actually ended up moving him out and putting in their freshman. Um, but the things that I noticed about about Syracuse, they, they have a pretty stout defense. Um, it's pretty active. Got a really good linebacker core. Got some good secondary play. I think the one thing that they're not as amazing at is their defensive line. Now, I think that is almost the style that they play. It's the defensive line kind of makes some havoc up front, and the linebackers are the ones that come in and make the play. So I think that's what you'll see a lot of um, in this game is the you know, defensive line maybe not making the plays, but it's the linebackers that are making the plays for them. And once again, um, they've done a good job on defense this year. So that's going to be something that the Irish are going to have to see if they can figure out. I do think the Irish will try and run the ball a lot against Syracuse. Um, that's what they're going to have to do is establish the game, the ground game, and then hopefully kind of maybe own the time of possession because Syracuse offense, while not necessarily absolutely dynamic, um, they've got a good, really good running back, and they've got a quarterback who can scramble and make first down. So I would kind of put their quarterback a little bit in the similar vein to the North Carolina quarterback. He's not as good a thrower as the North Carolina quarterback, but he's probably a better runner. Um, I think he averages like six yards a run when he runs, and that's typically on scramble. So the Irish are going to have to focus really, really 
a huge part of this game on containing him and not letting him get outside um, and probably having a linebacker or uh, you know someone from the secondary key on him all the time because even if he gets a good rush, he's probably going to find a way to escape. And we're going to have probably multiple third downs in this game where we're going to be throwing our hat on the ground and saying, I can't believe we gave up that conversion but it's going to be good defense by the Irish and he's going to scramble out and connect and get the first down on his own so we're going to have to be prepared for that and I think you're going to have to have someone kind of sitting in the box watching him and spying him the whole time like I said the running back is good Sean Tucker um he's going to probably get you know he's going to get his yards he didn't run the ball a ton of times last week against Clemson which is kind of surprising um but he's going to get his yards he's really good so I think Syracuse is going to try and same thing like us control the clock control the momentum um do a lot of running plays they've got one really good wide receiver um I forget his name um and that's who their quarterback probably keys in a lot on um but you know if this is a game where the Irish can figure out a way to stop Syracuse run make them one-dimensional um I think this is a game that the Irish you know can can win obviously um from an offensive perspective from the Irish we talked a little about it we can have to control the ball. Can have to get our running game going. So I think you're going to get a heavy dose of Logan Diggs in this game. I think you're going to see estimate, but it probably won't be until a little bit later. I think we're going to hopefully try and get Tyree the ball in space, see what he can do. Um, but yeah, this game is going to come down to at the end of the day if the Irish can run the ball, and then if Drew Pine can make the plays that he needs to make. Um, you know, we can run the ball only so much. Um, at one point, we're going to have to start to pass the ball, and let's see if he can hit wide receivers, hit people downfield hit people when they're open, go through his progressions, and not focus on Michael Mayer. If he can do that, this is a game the Irish should be able to win. Um, So all this being said, um, all right, I'm going to go through my prediction and give you guys my quick thoughts. Um, But I do see the Irish winning this game. I think we see a team similar to what happened against UNC. Um, We see a team that comes out, is ready to play, and a team that really, you know, knows the urgency of getting a win here, um, and you know, seeing what you know, having a record of five and three and going into the home match against Clemson can do. So, I'm going to choose the Irish to win. Um, I do think that they're going to score a decent amount. Um, I'm going to go with the Irish 34, and I'm going to go with no, you know, I'm going to go with the Irish 36. Kind of a random. No, sorry, God, 37. Notre Dame 37, Syracuse 24. You heard it here first. 13 point win by the Irish, even though the Irish I think are technically a two and a half point underdog. So 37 24 Irish, they get the win. It's an early game. We're able to enjoy the rest of our afternoon and get ready for Halloween on Monday. All right, everyone. Oh gosh, before I forget. Okay. Um, so to prove that I actually have listeners of this podcast, um, <laughs> got a good text or, or saw my dad this past week. And he said, I can't believe you didn't mention that I got you that bookstore parking pass. So yes, dad, thank you so much for the bookstore parking pass, um, for the Stanford game. It made all the difference in the world. So thank you again. Um, I really appreciate you, dad. Love you. Um, and thank you for the, getting me that parking pass. Um, and then Augie, who called me out for not saying that we saw him at the Stanford game as well. So yes, Augie. Um, love you, bud. Um, saw Augie and his wife, Kelly, and their two kids, and Sean Bruin and his wife, Elizabeth, and their two boys as we were kind of walking around the concourse for the Stanford game a couple weeks ago. So shout out to Augie. Um, I know you're listening, Augie. I'm sure you'll be listening to this at like 5 in the morning as you're doing your workout. Um, but, yeah, man, great seeing you as always. Um, all right, everyone, thanks again for listening. This is Exit 77. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. Uh, this is the Nordian Football Podcast. Um, feel free to follow me on Twitter at exit77 underscore podcast. Uh, those of you that know me, feel free to shoot me your message or your questions through text message, or feel free once again to hit me up on Twitter. But uh, yeah, let's uh, hope that the Irish come out firing tomorrow. Um, let's hope that they get a big win and that we can start to talk about what will be a really fun 
matchup against Clemson uh, at Notre Dame Stadium, where the Irish would be at that point, hopefully five and three, taking on the I think seven and zero or eight and zero, probably fourth or fifth ranked Clemson Tigers, and let's see if they can replicate what happened in twenty twenty. So, all right, thanks again, Irish fans. Thanks for listening. Um, let's get a big win, uh, as we always say at the end of this, Go Irish.